Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today, we are uh, continuing our journey through Isaiah. It's been called the fifth epistle after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's kind of like the rock star uh, uh, book of the Old Testament, just like the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the rock star books of the uh, New Testament. It's a a great book. It has so many uh, comparisons to those uh, New Testament epistles uh, because it all points out about uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. It all talks about uh, the mission of Jesus Christ. It all talks about... um, uh, and it talks about uh, the coming of Jesus Christ the second time around when he comes back to reestablish his kingdom on earth. So in, in many respects, Isaiah is, is a book that is, is like those, but it goes even deeper because it talks a lot about his coming, much like, uh, you know, John the Baptist talks about Jesus' coming or in, you know, and then even those old uh, New Testament books refer back to Isaiah. Uh, you know, the coming of the Lord. And so they refer back to Isaiah. Of course, Isaiah is talking about it. And then, um, just as the New Testament books talk about Jesus, um, Isaiah talks about what Jesus is going to do. And, of course, we see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John discuss what he's doing. And then Isaiah takes it one step farther, he talks about Jesus is coming back the second time and what he's going to do uh, the second time around. And, you know, we've got this picture from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of, of Jesus in a manger and then Jesus as a boy, you know, growing up, you know, uh, working in the carpenter shop. And then we see Jesus announcing his mission mission uh, 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 service as he begins. He quotes Isaiah. Then we see him walking around, <clears throat> calling the apostles, and doing his and doing his ministry work, and then suffering on the cross. So we see a lot of Jesus like that, as the baby and as the humble uh, uh, teacher, uh, and then the humble sacrifice. We see all of this uh, humility. We uh, we see this magnificent picture of his love acted out, and how. Marvelous a teacher he was, and the impact he had on on those around him. But now, 
in the book of Isaiah, we see, a, we see even a different dimension to Jesus. We see that Jesus coming as a judge, as one who's going to set things right. And, um, and sometimes I think we, um, we forget. We forget that Jesus uh, has that role as well. And so when he comes back the second time, as Isaiah is talking out, is talking here, he's going to be coming back not only with humility, but in all righteousness. In all righteousness, he'll be coming back in his glory, and he'll be coming back bringing all of us with him, and he will be reestablishing his authority, and all the nations will be bowing down to him, and this will be his kingdom. And so, um, you know, Isaiah is packed. So far, these 22 chapters we've read so far have been just packed with this stuff. So now we're in chapter 3, but just to, to recap for a minute, the, the last half dozen chapters or so, we've been studying uh, all these nations that God is judging. These prophecies and oracles, oracles is sort of like a, a declaration about something. So these, these oracles to these nations are all God's future judgment on them. Many of which have come true, and many of which, uh, I suppose, were uh, waiting in anticipation. But the first nation he was judging was Babylon because of this false religions and false idolatry. So he's coming to bring judgment on that. And I think, as you'll see, these nations kind of represent actions of people that are going to be judged he's going to judge everybody for all this stuff but it i mean on a on a nationalistic level these things apply but also in a personal level these things apply and that's what i when i was going through this it just amazed me that god judges the hearts of all of these nations collectively as people act in one another as they make decisions in society um yeah that's important the society's collective decisions, for the better or for worse, dictate how a nation behaves. And even that collective behavior as a nation doesn't go unjudged, doesn't go unpunished. You might say, well, I live in Babylon and I didn't worship those idols. Well, unfortunately, that the nation of Babylon gets punished as a nation. And then each person, their hearts too, doesn't go uh, unnoticed, unpunished, or unrewarded, um, for that matter. So, again, Babylon, this false religious idolatry, don't we see a lot of that today? What do people worship? What do people put up there for their religions? They can worship their money. They can worship their job, their prestige. They can worship their... Uh, um, authority over other people. There's so many things that we like to put our, our faith in as makes us happy or gives us fulfillment or gives us wisdom or gives us uh, that sense of completeness. Only God can do that. And that's so easy to put yourself above God. If your heart is not centered on Christ, if your heart is not centered on God, uh, then um, you're going you're gonna to center it on something else and it's going to be a false uh, idol or a false type of religion a lot of people it's almost like today uh their politics is now their religion they believe so true they don't believe in anything else except what they want to hear 
the second nation was Palestine. They had true religion, but it was abandoned just for rituals. They, they were still ritualistic people there, but God was even going to judge that. They were just going through the motions. And, you know, do we, you know, we have to look at ourselves. Do we go to church or go to religious activities, you know, that are sort of religious, but our heart's not really in it? Or we're there and, and we're arguing with people on the way there or on the way back. Or, or we're just thinking about the football game that's later that day. Or we're just thinking about all our activities. When you go there to worship, God says, you know, I don't need you just to kill a, a goat or an animal or something like that. I, I'm not pleased by that kind of an offering. Don't even do it anymore. You make me sick. God wants your hearts. So we don't want to be like the Babylonians. We don't want to be like the, Palest the Palestine people, the Palestinian people, uh, or the Palestine people. They abandoned their true religion for just rituals. It was a hollow worship. Verse, uh, I mean, not verse, but the one of the third, the third nation was Moab. This was sort of the cousin to, to the southern kingdom. It was uh, across the Dead Sea, and it was just, they were over there. They, they very... Um, Similar, you know, these people were shared many of the same uh, uh, kinsmen groups. Um, Moab took the form of religion, but didn't really deny its power. I mean, I mean, didn't I mean denied its power? So they it, they never let their worship change them, and they were weak in their faith. Then we had the Damascus up in Syria. They compromised one's truth. They got the truth, but then they compromised it. Ethiopia, it was talking about uh, missions and uh, and how it represented itself to other other nations. Egypt was judged, and Egypt was like the wonder of this world. It had it was like the first really true nation power. And uh, Egypt was like the world's oldest civilization. And uh, it, all the wonders of the world were coming out of Egypt, from writing paper to cotton to its agricultural system. It, it just had these amazing uh, accomplishments and merits. And just look at the architecture of the pyramids. I mean, they still stand today. But they're just hollow now. God brought all of these industries down. The fishing industry, still, people don't fish by the Nile. The, the, um, the agricultural industry never rebounded. The, the uh, papyrus industry, nothing. The, uh, all the textile industry used to be one of the wonders of the world. Nothing. Um, God judged Persia itself, where Iraq is. They had these luxury, uh, they, they represented all the luxury and excess uh, of this area. Um, and the, the area of Edom, they were just uh, more or less self-indulgent in the flesh. God was there to judge that, you know. And look how modern-day society changes, chases these luxuries and excesses of the flesh here. Arabia, 
It's going to judge Arabia for its ability to wage war and the, the kind of wars that it would rage and fight against uh, God's people. God says, I'm going to judge you. No action goes unjudged. Jerusalem. Jerusalem itself gets judges, judged for its politics. It started trusting and making all these treaties with other nations to try to protect itself, to try to let it survive, when it should have been standing on God's wisdom. God says, you have everything you need in me to protect you. Look how far sometimes our nation goes. It used to stand on God's protection. But now, so, you you know, the wisdom of man says you can make all these treaties for your own protection when you need to stand on God's wisdom. Tyre. This is a port city. used to be a port city on the Mediterranean. Used to be great shippers. Sh uh, they used to be really good with boats, let's say that. And they were really commercial traders. Um... And um, they were very successful, and they more or less worshipped money to uh, solve all their problems. And, um, and throughout Israel, uh, these great successes, all these politicians have tried to use money to help the poor, help the poor with their problems, etc. And uh, as um, McGee points out that the poor don't need rich people's money. What the poor need is, is God's Word. And it's good to be charitable. But um, there's so many social programs coming in wanting to spend so much money. Uh, and they place their faith in that. But when you start doing that and you start coming in and building yourself up like, oh, we're spending the money, it makes yourself look good. It makes yourself try to look good even for voters and stuff and you pump yourself up you puff yourself up like you're doing something to help the poor and it really doesn't do anything they're just hollow gifts you need to roll up your sleeves and show the poor the gospel show the poor your hearts god knows how to take care of the poor much better than the wealthy politicians do so just a recap. Now we're we're starting chapter twenty-three. Uh, sorry for letting me diverge off there, uh, but I thought McGee did a good job of recapping what we've been looking at. Brings it into a lot of clarity. But chapter three, verse twenty-one. Now we're talking about this port city of Tyre that we were just talking about. It's in Phoenicia. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is laid waste without house or harbor. So Tyre is going to get judged. Why? Because it, like we said earlier, just worshiping money. Even though it was so, you know, you had every reason to place its faith in itself, Tyre gets judged because its heart wasn't on God. From the land of Cyprus it is revealed to them, Be still, O inhabitants of the coast. The merchants of Sidian who cross the sea have filled you. Those merchants of Sidian who cross the sea, I believe McGee was talking about, that's Alexander the Great. He comes in and conquers it across the sea and on many waters your revenue was the grain of Sihor the harvest of the Nile you were the merchant of the nations wow Tyre must have been really 
really successful in this area. And I'm sure there was a lot of trading with, uh, <clears throat> with Europe through Tyre. <clears throat> Be ashamed, O Sidian, for the sea has spoken, the stronghold of the sea, saying, I have neither labored nor given birth. I have near, neither reared young men nor brought up young women. When the report comes to Egypt, they will be in anguish over the report about Tyre. Poor Tyre. I guess he got tired. No, just kidding. So, <clears throat> Tyre, this humongous, successful city. And McGee says part of Tyre was built on an island. So, it's like a port city island kind of combo. It must have been really, really successful. But everybody, even the foreign countries, were in anguish over what happens to Tyre. Cross over to Tarshish. Wail, O inhabitants of the coast. Is this your exultant city whose origin from the days of old, whose feet carried her to settle far away? Who has purposed this against Tyre? The bestowers of the crowns, whose merchants were princes, whose traders were honored of the earth. The Lord of hosts has purposed it to defile pompous pride of all glory, to dishonor all the honored of the earth. Okay? So what's going to happen to Tyre is the Babylonians will eventually whack Tyre and eventually uh, um, bring Tyre to its knees. And why? Because of its uh, pride. It's uh, it's um, faith in its own money, faith in its own glory, faith in its pride and what, what it is. Tyre is still in ruins today. And who's purposed it? It's the Lord of hosts has purposed it. So even though the Babylonians come in and, and uh, take it over, <coughs> God spoke this, <coughs> that he was using the Babylonians to do his work. And then after the Babylonians were done, he was going to judge the Babylonians because they they came in and they uh, conquered the southern uh, kingdom of Israel. You know that's Judah. The Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom. The Babylonians come in and they just take Tyre. Can you imagine? What a great victory that was! But it's interesting that <clears throat> the last few verses of this um, chapter twenty-three. Um, that the Lord will visit Tyre, verse 17. So the Lord goes back to Tyre, and it says, She will return to her wages and will prostitute herself with all the kingdoms of the world on the face of the earth. Um, my Bible uh, is reading that they're gonna, um, she's going to be made holy, as with all the other kingdoms on the face of the earth, she will, um, when the Lord visits, there's going to be redemption for Tyre and all these other kingdoms. Her merchandise and wages will be holy to the Lord. It will not be stored or hoarded, but her merchandise will supply abundant food and find clothing for those who dwell before the Lord. So it looks like in the end time, the Lord will come back um, to Tyre. And looks like the Lord will be the one who reinstitutes Tyre and rebuilds Tyre. So when we see when we start seeing Tyre being rebuilt, uh, we know that that's uh, 
uh, in the last days. Uh, verse 24, I mean, excuse me, chapter 24, we'll start here, and it looks like we'll go down to through verse 25. This is now the judgment on the whole earth. This is sort of like a recap. So I'll just kind of go through this and see how this makes sense for us. Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate, and he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. So this is ju judgment now on the whole earth. Verse 2, and it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the slave, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor. The whole earth shall be utterly empty and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken his word. So the Lord is coming, and there's every single transaction, every single interaction is coming to be judged. The earth mourns and withers. The world languishes and withers. The highest people of the earth languish. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. So the Lord is going to just pass judgment, it looks like, on the whole earth here. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer from their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched, and few men are left. The wine mourns, the vine languishes, all the merry-hearted sigh. So this judgment against those who don't know God, who've not kept His kingdoms, is going to be very harsh. The myrrh of the tambourines is still... The noise of the jubilant has ceased. The myrrh of the lyre is still. No more do they drink wine with the stinging. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. The wasted city is broken down. Every house is shut up so that none can enter. There is an outcry in the streets for lack of wine. All joy has grown dark. The gladness of the earth is banished. Desolation is left in the city, for the gates are battered into ruins. For thus it shall be in the midst of the earth among the nations, as when an olive tree is beaten, as at the gleaning when the grape harvest is done. This is tough stuff. This is where rubber eventually meets the road. This is when the Lord eventually comes to reestablish his kingdom. And before the kingdom gets reestablished, he is cleaning house. This is his earth. He is sovereign over it. This is his world. And his world will not have sin in it. It's very, very profound here. Verse 14, They lift up their voices. They sing for joy over the majesty of the Lord. They shout from the west. Therefore, in the east, give glory to the Lord. In the coastlands of the sea, give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So, in recap, we're stopping right in the middle of the of uh, chapter twenty-four, but it starts off with you know God, you know the Lord, and if He's back on Mount Zion, He's already there, but He's going to violently dismantle the present evil age. And he's going to repl replace this evil age with joy and worldwide worship. Man, you want to talk about some interesting insights into what's happening 
in the end times. I mean, you can look in the book of Revelation and start looking there, and that's a, a requires a lot of insight. But Isaiah is laying out a lot of practical insight into the end times. Isn't it interesting that we see more about the end times in the Old Testament here in Isaiah than we do in the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the, all the rest? A powerhouse book. This book cannot be uh, ignored from what it is saying. God is sovereign, and Christ coming again is to reestablish or to establish His kingdom on earth. To really reestablish it because it's already here. It's just it's overrun with evil and sin. So I think that's a good way to center our hearts today is that we have to understand we are in walking around in an evil age where so many men's hearts and women's hearts are not centered on Christ. You can see it in the behavior of people and you can see it in the behavior of nations. And God says he will not let the, the behavior of people go unnoticed. He will not even let the behavior of groups of people in nations go unpunished. God is sovereign over all. Not only all the people, all the nations, and all, all over the earth itself. So it's His will be done. So um, that should reassure us that we have more power through the power of the Lord. Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit with us now. And a Father in Heaven who's loved us throughout all time even before we were born. And for most of us, or for probably all of us, unless He's coming soon, He will love us through all time, even after our earthly bodies fall. We already have spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings already saved for us in heaven. But His love for us extends through all time, even to the reestablishment of His kingdom once again here on the earth. So powerful message and a powerful boost for all of us to know this is the Father that loves us this much. So for me to all of you, God bless you. I'll see you next time. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my partner, Matali. Take it away, Matali. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Isaiah chapter 23, verses 1 all the way to verse 18, and Isaiah chapter 24, verse 1 to 15. So here we look at the last burden of Israel, and this is the 11th burden um, against the nation Israel. So it was against all the nations that surrounded Israel. So each nation um, sets before us some great principles. So you know, Pastor J.B. McGee um, explained in detail how we can actually make an application from each burden that was actually um, 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 talked about and read in Scripture. So, um, you know, there's a great teaching, uh, there's a philosophy, a principle from which we can actually, um, you know, apply in um, modern day to day. So, um you know, and 
you know, these principles and systems are which um, God must judge. And um, many of these, um, you know, judgments and many of these burdens can be translated or transferred from uh, these nations and put where we are today, where the rubber meets the road. So um, the 11th burden was against the nation of Tyre. And um, it was against the nation of Tyre and Sidon. They were like two sisters, you know, mother and daughter. So um, so the recap that Dr. J.B. McGee gave um, of the 11 nations and the 11 burdens. So the first burden was uh, Babylon. It represents false religion, idolatry, and today it's, you know, this can be relate, you know, translated into uh, covetousness. So this is, um, you know, the desire to have more and more and, um, you know, to just dedicate um, yourself to the accumulation of material things. So material things are just, you know, what everybody's focused on. If, if, if we look at, you know, our world today, you know, our governments, our political circles, this is what is happening today. And then the second burden was Palestine, which represents true religion. So um, true religion that has become apostate. And today, you know, you have lots of churches that go through rituals, you know, repetition of the Apostles' Creed, and um, they repeat the Lord's Prayer. Uh, instead of resting upon the Bible, they're denying everything that's in it, and um, they're standing away from what they once believed. So they just believe in actually, um, you know, ritual, ritualistic and doxology type of um, thing. And the third burden was Moab. It represents... Um, a form of religion. So this is having um, a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So, you know, you find people today, you know, they were raised in a proper religious home. Um, but, you know, when they grow up because of liberalization and all, so they deny the power thereof and they just want to actually just show the world that, oh, hey, they go to church, you know, every Sunday they wake up and go to church and follow all the other formal ways of doing things. So uh, many of us can be identified with, um, you know, with these. Um, and then we have the next burden, which was um, Damascus, which represents um, com which represents um, compromise, and this is the position most churches are in today. Most churches compromise themselves. And, um, you know, we have a lot of many a lot of fundamental churches today that are in this particular position where they just choose to um, be compromised because they probably have to, maybe they want to be accepting of today's um, standard of what is morally upright that, you know, human beings base that standard on and um, they're in that position that is compromised. Then we have the next burden, which was Ethiopia. Here there was no judgment, um, but it represents missions, and we need to get involved in missions today as um, God's children. So um, <clears throat> the sixth burden is um, the burden of Egypt. So it represents the world, so love of the world and the things in it. So Israel was told to stay out of Egypt, and um, this was also true for Abraham and um, it brought nothing but trouble, and Israel, Egypt, was a lover of the world. It, it worshipped any creature that was under the heavens. And um, the seventh burden is Persia, and it represents luxury. You know, most of us have um, 
love the luxury and affluent society today because we want to be, you know, among the notables and nobles. And um, the eighth burden is Edom. It represents the flesh. You know, many serve the flesh today. Uh, many, you know, try to idolize, you know, um, people who've had inventions or, you know, discovered so many things and, you know, you tend to put them up there on a higher plane, um, you know, in a substitution of God. The ninth burden is Arabia. It represents war. Today, there are, you know, two groups of people, you know, as Dr. J.B. McGee had mentioned, it, there's the hawks and there's the doves. So there's the people who want peace and the people who um, just incite violence. And you find, you know, and these are two people, worldly people today, people in the world, of the world today. And you find, actually, people advocating for peace will do anything to fight for that particular peace. The tenth burden is the valley of vision and this represented jerusalem and this represents politics and most of us think that um you know we will find a solution to the problems of the world through politics by changing governments changing parties but at the end of the day it all comes down to the same thing and then the 11th and final burden is the burden of tire which represents commercialization business so people today believe money can solve all the problems of the world and you know they bring up all these programs and projects for the poor but in the end it's the poor that end up suffering because it's, you know as soon as you place faith and trust in you know humanity in man today um it just does nothing but hurt the poor and you know all the money and programs that were supposed to go towards benefiting the poor they end up in the wrong hands and only god has love for the poor and only he knows how to actually help them so we find in ezekiel chapter 26 verse 14 it's um actually prophesies on the um on the um, falling of Tyre, and that prophecy was actually fulfilled. So Tyre um, and Sidon are two great cities of um, Phoenician of the Phoenicians. So Sidon was the mother city, and um, it was surpassed by her proud daughter, uh, her proud and rich daughter Tyre. So the ships of uh, Phoenicia entered all ports of the Mediterranean Sea, um, and um, and, uh, um, and, you know, they, they, they penetrated, um, you know, all ports and, and, and in art, they also penetrated in uncharted oceans beyond the pillars of Hercules. And the vessels of um, Phoenicia brought tin from Britain. And this is where we find Britannia, the, the word Britannia meaning um, the land of tin. So Phoenicia, you know, Phoenicians were aggressive people and um, they were also very progressive people. So this is how their nation, uh, Tyre, um, you know, expanded and grew. And, um, you know, they also settled um, in Carthage in North Africa. And um, by then Carthage was a great enemy of Rome and um, was for the Phoenicians. So Cyprus uh, owed its prosperity um, from, the tra from trading with Tyre. And, um, you know, they are other centers that were founded um, on, um, you know, the wealth of, of, of the nation of Tyre and, and, and they grew and prospered. So, you know, Joner, who got swallowed by the fish, had also gone to um, Toshish on the southern coast of Spain. So, uh, Phoenicia, the Phoenicians also started Toshish. And uh, Phoenicians invented the alphabet. They were very progressive people. And um, Hiram, the king of Tyre, was a good friend of King David. So we find here from verse 1 to 9, 
um, the responsibility for the destruction of Tyre and who was responsible for the destruction of Tyre. And <clears throat> it's, it, it was divine and the Lord um, of hosts was actually responsible. And um, then there was also human responsibility for the destruction of the nation Tyre. Um, um, the Chaldeans, people from Babylon, um, were actually used as an instrument to go out and destroy uh, the nation Tyre. So Tyre is um, to be recovered in the last days, you know, the days of the tribulation, and it's going to be rebuilt in the last days. Um, so this is one of the things and signs to look out for, you know, as Dr. J.B. McGee put it, the clock of God, uh, when it is rebuilt, then you know, you know, um, that day, the day of the Lord is actually near. So verse 1 of chapter 23 reads, The burden of Tyre, wail you ships of Tashish, for it is laid waste, so that there is no house, no harbor from the land of Cyprus. <clears throat> it is revealed to them. So here, the, you know, the ships of Tashish came where, um, you know, Jonah had fled. And, um, you know, there was a colony of um, Phoenicians, and they're coming home, and, you know, they're sent a sign from Tashish, and as they get near, you know, they just see smoke. Their city is now destroyed as in, and is in smoke. So verse 2 goes on to read, Be still, you inhabitants of the coastland, you merchants of Sidon, whom those who cross the sea have <coughs> filled. So here, Tyre was practically built on an island, and Tyre and Sidon, you know, go together hand in hand. So verse 3 goes on to read, And on great waters and grain of Shire, the harvest of the river is her revenue, and she is kept, she is a marketplace for nations. So here, the river that is being talked about is the Nile, and Shire means black, and it refers to, you know, the upper Nile, and, you know, the slit that flooded the bank, you know, that flooded Egypt and made the land of Egypt very fertile. So, you know, the wealth of Egypt had um, flowed through part of Tyre and now this ended and you know they will all feel the great depression <coughs> verse 4 goes on to read be ashamed O Sidon for the sea has spoken the strength of the sea saying I do not labor nor bring forth children neither do I rear young men nor bring up virgins so Tyre you know as earlier um, you know as earlier spoken Tyre is the daughter of Sidon and historically you know, this is accurate with all the research and, you know, um, all the information. So Tyre was um, hand in hand. You know, the destruction of Tyre was also the destruction of Sidon. The first five goes on to read, when the report reaches Egypt, they will also be in agony at the report of Tyre. So here the destruction of Tyre, um, you know, ruins the commerce of Egypt as well because, um, you know, Tyre is destroyed and they were on, um, they were built on an island and, um they were very progressive and aggressive people, and their trade affected, you know, every other nation that was dealing with it directly. So verse 6 goes on to read, Cross over to Shtashish, whale your inhabitants of the coastlands. So here, you know, the fall of Tyre caused universal mourning um, to the colony. That's uh, That was way over from the southern coast, and many of the people fled in the ships, um, you know, when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the cities. Verse 7 goes on to read, Is this your joyous city, whose uh, antiquity is from ancient days, whose feet carried her far off to dwell? So here, um, you know, any great commercial city 
obviously will provide a lot of entertainment um and that entertainment provides you know fun and joy to to everybody it was a fun city and um you know because they have all these things to cater to the flesh and um a joyous city has come to an end and the tyrant tyrants are told to flee as far off as possible from um, their city of joy verse 8 goes on to read um who has taken this counsel against tyre the crowning city whose merchants are princes and whose traders are the honorable of the earth so here we have um you know tyre meaning um basically here meaning this council the crowning city meaning it was a giver of crowns so um Tyre established crown colonies, just like, you know, Britain established crown colonies. If we look at uh, Britain crowned, um, you know, different nations, like Hong Kong is a crown colony of Britain, and um, they were not um, giving out crowns. That's not what it means. They were just crowning um, their colonies as belonging to them, as belonging under them. Verse 9 goes on to read, The Lord of hosts has proposed to bring, to dishonor the pride of all glory, to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth so you know god said um you know this was spoken by god he determined the destruction of tyre and um you know he wasn't apologetic about it he wasn't sorry about it um he was gonna wasn't gonna offer any apologies for this and uh, verse 10 goes on to read overflow through your land like a river O daughter of tashish there is no more strength so here uh, God says, um, you know, God had spoken and, you know, God had said, you know, um, overflow through your land like the river, O daughter of Tashish, and there is no more strength. So there was no more strength for Tyre. And, you know, the river here is the Nile and the Nile overflows her banks to the colony of um, Tashish and Tashish is free to do as she pleases. So Tyre can no longer control them. So Tyre has fallen and um, it no longer has any strength. So um, verse 11 here, it's a threefold description of Tyre. As we can see, you know, in verse 7, we saw Tyre, a joyous city. Verse 8, Tyre, a crowning city. And verse 11 here, we see um, it's a merchant city. So verse 11 reads, He stretched out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord has given a commandment against Canaan um, <clears throat> to destroy the strongholds. And he said, You will rejoice no more. O oh, you oppressed virgin daughter of Sidon, arise over to Cyprus, there also you will have no rest. So here, verse um, 11 just, you know, it tells us, you know, how Tyre, you know, you know, it's a threefold description of the city Tyre. And um, Tyre and Sidon would suffer the same fate, um, the same things that um, God was responsible for. Um, their destruction and he used an instrument and this instrument were the uh, Chaldeans and the Chaldeans were the Babylonians so verse 13 goes on to read behold the land of Chaldeans these people which was not um, which was not Assyria founded it for wild beasts um, of the desert they set up towers they raised up its palaces and brought it to ruin so here when Assyria was a great nation you know, once upon a time when Assyria was a great nation, uh, Chaldean, Babylon was just a heck, you know, of a town. And, um, but now it was ruling the world. It was, um, it was on top of the world. It was destroying nations. Verse 14 goes on to read, Wail your ships of Tashish, for your strength is laid waste. So here, you know, the strength of Tyre and Sidon is gone. 
Verse 15 reads, Now it shall come to pass in the day that Tyre will be forgotten 70 years according to the days of one king. At the end of 70 years it will happen to Tyre as in the song of the harlot. So here we see um, this is how long um, the nation of Tyre and its people were in captivity and these were in captivity for 70 years. Verse 17 goes on to read, um, I'll skip, I'll read through verse 16 um, and go all the way to verse 17. It says, Take a harp, go about the city, you forgotten harlot. Make sweet melodies, sing many songs that you may be remembered. So here, harlot is a term that God refers to commercial business cities because they did trade and with many different nations who were involved with so many other nations. So verse 17 goes on to read, It shall be at the end of 70 years that the Lord will deal with Tyre. She will return to her hire and commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world on the face of the earth. So Tyre will become a harlot, you know, a commercial trading center in the world. And God speaks of these great commercial cities in this particular way. So verse 18 goes on to read, Her gain and her pay will be set apart for the Lord. Uh, it will not be treasured or laid up for her gain will be for those who dwell before the Lord who to eat sufficiently and for fine clothing. So here Tyre will rise up again and will um and all this is going to be dedicated to the Lord. So this is in the last days Tyre again will be a great city. But it will all be for the Lord. So moving on to chapter twenty four, it finishes the judgment against the nations. So you know after all the eleven burdens, and now there's the judgment, the final judgment, the focal point, um, in the great tribulation, and at the end of the age after the church is removed from the earth. Now it's God's judgment against the earth. So as we saw, you know the division in Isaiah, um, from chapter one to chapter thirty five. Uh, the theme is judgment. So chapter 13 to chapter 23, you know, God's judgment is upon the surrounding nations. And these were the nations that were surrounding Egypt. So chapter 24 to 35 is a new section of the future. And uh, judgment is still the theme. So the great tribulation is a worldwide judgment from God. So verse 1 um, <clears throat> of chapter 24 reads, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste, um, distorts its surface and scatters um, a its inhabitants so this is twofold it speaks of the earth and the judgment that is coming and the great tribulation and god will judge the entire world and god will also judge um, the nation israel so just you know read through quickly um up to verse 15 which we and i'll start from verse 2 it says it shall be as with the people so with the priest as with the servant so with the master as with the maid so with her mistress as with the buyer so with the seller as with the lender so with the borrower as with the creditor so with the debtor the land shall be entirely emptied and utterly plundered for the lord has spoken this word so this is the great tribulation judgment of the lord on earth so the earth moans and fades away, the world languishes and fades away, the haughty people of the earth languish, the earth is also defiled under the inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. So, you know, you know, God's remnant were removed, the church was removed, so the few remnants that are remaining here on earth after judgment... Um, <coughs> 
will be saved. So um, verse 6 goes on to read, Therefore the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. So that's the few remnants that are left. Verse 7 goes on to read, The new wine falls, the vine languishes, all the merry-hearted sigh, the mirth of the tambourine ceases, the noise of the jubilant ends, the joy of the harp ceases. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. The cities of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up so that none may go in. There is a cry of for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. The city of desolation is left and the gate is stricken with destruction. It's going to be a dark, dark time. <clears throat> the day of tribulation. So verse 13 to verse 15 goes on to read, when it, shall, when it shall be thus in the midst of the land among the people, it shall be like shaking of an olive tree, like the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is gone. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Therefore glorify the Lord in the dawning night, the name of the Lord God of Israel in the coastline of the sea. So here the tribulation saints are preserved, you know, the few remnants and to the, you know, they are preserved through the great tribulation period and the remnants will lift up their voices and glorify God. So, you know, as we have seen in today's um, teaching, you know, we can apply the different burdens to you know where the rubber meets the road to our everyday life today um you know each burden can be applied um each of the 11 burdens can actually be made applicable in today's world and you know we have been given signs to actually look out for on god's clock you know when that day is nearing you know we shall have cities like tyre be rebuilt again then you know god's time the day of the lord is actually closer so um you and I, you know, we definitely don't want to go through the Great Tribulation period. You know, we want to go with the church, the church of God. We have been given so many chances and opportunities. And every day is a new opportunity. Every minute, every second is a new opportunity. God's hand is outstretched for you and me. So um, let us keep believing in God. Keep, you know, having the faith. Sow the seed and, you know, do God's work. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you all. Have a pleasant day. God bless and bye-bye.